Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Welcome! 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 Climb on board! Climb on board the great space coaster of love. Uh, welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And this is my shark dance. Yeah. Um, I'm Ryan. Yeah. Ryan is a master of the shark dance. He is the one man sharknado. Uh, welcome and uh, welcome to episode a three um this is of course yes this is of course the same the the number of episodes that equals the number of licks it takes to get to the center of a tootsie roll tootsie pop a three um qualifies i guess then as a very special episode yeah i guess so this is just our third uh episode which is our recapping some of the movies of last year and the year before and stuff that mostly ryan has seen over the course of uh this past year and uh hopefully sparking sparking some of your interests to uh to maybe check out some of these and to go i've really been thinking about maybe watching that movie and ryan can go mm, i'm gonna go ahead and say that you probably shouldn't yeah get- unfortunately on this show in particular first show where there really are some you know but yeah. I think you'll find you probably know better than me because these the the ones that I really didn't like on this list are the ones you guys probably already skipped to be honest. Well, so there you, go. you know, and but even those we try and find the good in everything, and we're gonna pick a pace tonight because it's those kinds of movies. But before we do that, Joel, yeah, we've gotta slow things down, slow them down. Because, Welcome to the movie. Because show. before we play the fanfare, we have a special category. Or it's not really a fanfare. Before Joel does his awesome Rambling MC announcement thingy. slash <laughs> yeah, DOE or whatever. Um yes, that's fanfare. Actually, I mean that's cool. It's a metaphorical it's... fanfare. Um a great loyal listener of the show, Erica, gave us a suggestion for our look back on the Oscars for 2021. And her film didn't have any Oscar nominations, but it did have a BAFTA nomination, the Oscars of England. And um, and it's an extraordinary movie. So we're going to talk a little bit about, and we're not going to make Erica listen all the way to the end of the episode if she doesn't want to. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> well, yep. That's not what Even though, saying. even though, here's the thing, even though I bet she would have. Yeah. She might have, she's, but she's friend of the show. Yeah, but let's have let's let's have let her have her moment right up front. Um, yep. Joel, what tell us about that one? Viewer yeah, recommendations. So the, the 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 movie that um, Erica wanted us. She she said that you know other um, 
uh, this is a movie that uh, see that might not have elevated to the category of best picture, but she still found them worthy of her time. Um, let me get read directing uh, direct quotes here. There were several in other Oscar categories and in other awards contests that I love too. One movie that I think didn't get any Oscar noms that I think at least should have been nominated for, for acting categories that I found really moving was mass 2021's mass. I think it's, I think it's small ensemble was really overlooked, real difficult subject matter, but unforgettable performances as hard as it is to view. I wish more people would give us a synopsis for that so that we know. Yeah. The parents, the parents of both the shooter and one of the victims of a school shooting uh, school shooting tragedy agree to meet and talk in an attempt to move forward. And the so, four actors um, and, are Reed, Bernie, and Dowd, mm-hmm. Martha Plimpton, and Jason Isaacs. And uh, I didn't, I feel like maybe I saw this, you know, pass through recommendations, but just sort of forgot about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, like, I don't want to say I completely hadn't heard of it, but I, it obviously missed. This is the kind of movie I would have signed up for, for sure, a, you know, more than a year ago, had I just made kept better track of it i guess and mm-hmm. and it was it's everything she says it's really really extraordinary it's written and directed by uh like quirk machine fran kranz who mm-hmm. we've seen in all kinds of things as an actor you definitely would recognize him and there's a bit of his signature tone there's a they gather in the basement of this episcopal church and the the this sweet but absolutely wrong-headed in every way church lady um is you know trying to help facilitate this and it it, it's she's actually even though it's got a little bit of his you really feel the artist's work in this character and the the actor plays it really good because she plays it really earnestly and she plays it straight but it's it it it's believable or it's reasonable that in a film like this, that, that um, a person like that would trip over their own tongue at some point, it gets a little unbelievable when she does it every time she opens her mouth. She's only part of the movie um, in the bookends of it. This is really a straight play, one location, uh, the old fellowship hall in the basement of an Episcopal church, mm-hmm. this, this sort of place we're talking about. And they're sitting around a table, and table scenes are hard to shoot, and they just are because you got to. Everybody has to. You got to get the footage of everybody, and you can. You got to. The camera has to get out of the way of all the reactions and stuff. So, it's they're hard to shoot and they're hard to edit. They're deceptively hard to shoot, and most great directors will tell you that the big table scenes are the ones Mm -hmm. they dread. Like the big action scenes, not so much. Those are exciting and invigorating and they come with their challenges, but just shooting people around a table. And this is a film where they shot around a table for a few weeks. Um, And that's just the technical aspect. That's my one criticism of it and the technical amazement of it. Wow, it feels like a very small, intimate movie. But like most actor-directed and actor-written projects... 
the acting is extraordinary. You know, that's the thing that they know it when they see it. They communicate on that level with their fellow actors. And I mean, it's the thing that in, in all these sort of debuts by actors directing, you, you just almost always get really, really good acting. In fact, you all, sometimes it, it can go over into, you'd linger on stuff too long. You don't want to cut. You want everything to land. Like sometimes it can be overkill. This film gets mm -hmm. that balance exactly right. It, it's dealing with an impossibly tricky topic. Um, all four of these actors are recognizable from other major things. And yet they all disappear into these different, deeply troubled, deeply wounded parental figures and the the mission of them coming together to try and uh, better understand this so that they can mm -hmm. take the first steps into moving on with the rest of their lives is it's extraordinary it's just a, it's an extraordinarily honest film where you get both sides of this terrible equation and you get these people who while uh, they have their moments of interrogating and defensiveness and confrontation as you'd expect that's where the drama comes from they're all people who've come to this place to achieve something positive. And, mm -hmm. and it's up to you really, whether that is even an attainable goal in this sort of situation. But yeah. I, I can't, I can't say enough for the performances and Dowd was nominated for a BAFTA. She's got one of the showier performances in it, but they're all amazing. They're all really, really ama amazingly done. The, there's a there's a shift in uh, on the side the victims parents Plimpton and Isaacs there's a shift in their approach to this situation where one comes in keeping things calm and and they they cross and they flip in, in it and it, it happens right before your eyes and it's really really magical and the least probably famous guy Reed Bernie you'll recognize mm -hmm. him because he's a a longtime character actor who shows up in all kinds of stuff, tons of stuff, in fact. Um, also, it, not seen him carry a quarter of a movie, maybe ever. He may have before, but to my knowledge, this is the first time I'm seeing it. And 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 alongside Dowd, who's a legendary scene stealer, you know, in the best way. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah. just you know, uh, he's he's just outstanding, and and so. She's absolutely right. I mean, I I don't know how much I can see how it's not best picture stuff. The amb the 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 cinematic ambition really isn't there, but it's it's such a complicated thing and such a tricky thing to deal with, and it's so mm -hmm. well done that I I appreciate the recommendation, and it was hard to sit through. Hell yes, it was, but that's that shouldn't stop anybody from watching it because mm -hmm. it's really really good. And, and it's just, I mean, how many school shootings, how many public shootings are there? It, it's, this yeah. is a, you know, this is a non at all preachy movie that is dealing absolutely head on with the, one of the huge social issues of our time. And it does, and it does it by not showing a school shooting or not showing really anything about that. Yeah. And that's a neat trick that it pulls off. I have to say. Yeah. 
um i really i i really think um especially uh martha plimpton was so great uh i mean the the performance was so good not even the fact that she was a completely cgi character uh could have changed it <laughs> sorry no she was fine she was she's martha's great martha is uh wonderful dude um, what is the matter with you <laughs> um uh, that well, joke so, is funny joel but is it really funny enough to go in this place in the show you just need to i think absolutely <laughs> i think absolutely it is okay. i i i will i i will die upon this hill and i may have already died upon that hill um <laughs> you may have to step over joel on your way to the top of the hill who knows we'll have to see how that takes out <laughs> yep uh all right folks um so erica yes thank you erica for uh for writing us for for uh for giving us this movie to 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 talk about for asking us to talk about it um and um yeah it's great and and hey other listeners um you know, when you write us, we do stuff. There's a, there's a good chance you're going to end up on the show Our, in, some, uh, some, in some fashion. Erica's other big, big uh, request, and it's an awesome one, is the best films of of director Fred Zinneman. And um, you got to give me more time because mm. I got to see more films. That's an era that I, I've seen a few of the key ones, so I'm excited to do it. But I, there's a bunch of very clearly awesome titles mixed in there that i absolutely mm. haven't seen and that sort of thing takes us a little time so but mm, we're okay. on it we're doing our homework that show will well happen. there you go that show buckle up um uh, fred Zinneman, right. watch out fred you're gonna get you have you been have you been having a hankering for the zimmerman <laughs> Well, get a, get ready to get your fix. Uh, all right. Speaking of getting your fix, I know when you're wait, you've had parts one and you've had part two. Now get ready for part three of the year in review 2022 and a few movies from 2021. Yeah. And at least one from 2020. Oh, yeah, probably more than likely. Yeah. And I there believe our next show even has a couple of 2019 movies in it. But, you know, look, they're oh. recent. It's what do you want from me? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Recent-ish enough. Just because uh, I didn't right. catch them quickly doesn't mean they're not worth talking about. Um, Hey, Ryan, you know hmm. the old phrase, crime doesn't pay? I am familiar with that phrase. Well, surely they haven't seen these movies because... This next category of crime stories sure makes it seem like crime can be a lucrative opportunity. Uh, nice. Not great. Nice. Yeah. Woohoo. Um, All right. Let's. <laughs> it, this is let's, a weird uh, mix of stuff because here, this is what yeah. I consider crime dramas, right? Obviously, yeah. gangster movies like Goodfellas and. and godfather and all that it's all crime mm -hmm. um heist movies of all stars and stripes and there's a million different ways to do a heist movie unless it's like heist in space pretty much crime um and then just like hostage movies and kidnapping movies um you know movies where the crime is the thing 
you know, not jaywalking movies or because we right. don't, you know, we're there's. I mean, I gotta say, there was that period in the uh, in like it was around 1964 where there was just a slew of jaywalking movies. Yeah. Um, because they really thought that, that was gonna be the next big thing that that you know that takes off. Um, but uh, it never quite caught on. The the there was the Gigolo Jaywalker. Uh, there was uh, jaywalking on stilts. It was all all these jaywalking films. Um, and uh, they really thought that that was going to uh sweep the nation um Um, i guess the other the last kind of category would be you know con artist games confidence games sure uh those to me are what crime dramas are we got a little bit of every kind here and it's but they're just tonally the difference between like a real you know there's dog day afternoon and stuff which is pretty light on its feet for a hostage movie Mm -hmm. but the difference between a kidnapping film and a and a heist movie tonally is very very different but they all kind of fall into categories so blah 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 all right well we are going to start out with a good friend of uh the show and i don't mean like a friend like we actually know him but boy he's always entertaining to talk about so i consider him a friend of the show rennie harlan's film (laughs) the misfits uh, um, yeah. Misfits with not not a lot of not a lot of stars. You got to get to three stars for the Misfits. You got to combine the scores from like three or four different websites. So this is not a very well reviewed movie. But it's very right. it's very expensive film. Scenes on a lot of private yachts and a lot of private clubs. It was paid by a lot of oil money is who financed it. Um, and of course, I I was drawn to it because a couple of good actors, Pierce Brosnan, who stars in the thing as mm-hmm. an old uh, art thief, bank robber type dude who gets recruited by this activist group to do this ultimate one last job. There's nothing yep. in this film that you haven't seen before. But uh, who's the young lady in it? The place's daughter. Uh well I don't know uh let's see it could be Hermione Corfield it is Hermione could be Corfield. Jamie Chung okay uh, it's Hermione Corfield um J- Jamie's fun in it too they're all having fun it's a fun movie it's short it passes the time it is you know Rennie knows what to do how to use a camera and I mean so he's an old pro it's just there's just it's there's it's a heist movie where a bunch of like um activist rich people steal from a bunch of snobby rich people and right it's i don't know and they all are living the high life and drinking you know champagne and it's just it's hard it was hard for me to be like the whatever little uh working class message that the thing is going for is lost but i did like hermione's good actor and and so's pierce and when they were allowed to argue as father and daughter and they're allowed to reconcile in whatever way like that that yeah. there was something there that it was worthwhile there are i don't think there's a lot of wisecracking but not a lot of laughs not a great heist movie, um, but a but a big yeah. budgeted one that was shot in Qatar or something i don't remember where but someplace yeah a lot dubai and then uh yeah lots of uh, dubai lots makes of, sense because like dubai of, pays like, for a lot of, of that here a lot of that hollywood yeah glitz and glamour that you're getting they really do they're forking mm-hmm. over a lot of money for it so um uh oh uh abu dhabi is actually it looks like that's where most of it was shot that makes sense and, too yep yep um uh good friend uh our, our 
our maybe chief review correspondent Gordon Eleven. Um, <laughs> not 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 that we're gonna dip into the Gordon Eleven uh, well here too too early and and too often uh, hopefully, but it does. Um, Incoherent mess is the title, and the review is this film is an incoherent mess. <laughs> <laughs> The film um, tries to be an action comedy, but is successful at being neither. Yeah, the action, um, that's, I so. agree with. I don't think it's an incoherent mess. I think it's pretty easy to follow. It, it what you want from a film like this is because you've seen it all before is execution marks. And mm-hmm. in this way, I agree with Gordon. The action's not that great, and the comedy's not that great. So, what are you left with? Not a lot. Yep. Um. But All right, so I, just, I, yep. I can't find it in my heart to condemn even a crappy film like that. Mm. Well, at least it's trying um, something different. It's not like it, you know, it's not like it has the wind at its back from a Hollywood standpoint. It's it was made off to the side by people who cared about what they were doing clearly, and it just doesn't hit the mark. Mm-hmm. And it's too um, bad it aims low and doesn't hit the mark, which is really, <laughs> is sort of a, you do right. feel a little embarrassed for it. Um, just when you were like, you know what we haven't had in a while or maybe ever had and, and what we all desperately need to fill a void in our life is, uh, Russell Crowe as a director, uh, comes Poker Face, another brisk hour and a half film directed by Russell Crowe, starring Russell Crowe, screenplay in part by Russell Crowe, um, and uh, so it's the Russell, Russell Crowe Crow wrote a pretty good movie that none of you have seen called The Water Diviner. Uh, that was his, I believe that was his directorial debut. And that was about a father. Uh, I don't want to say because I might get it wrong, but it's about an Australian father who showed up at the aftermath of Battle of Gallipoli, I believe, looking for the oh, remains sure. of his son. And that movie is like, that's an actor's like. That's a guy writing and directing some. That's a star writing and directing something for him to act in. That's different than the types of things they're letting him act in at that point. Right, right. Um, and it works on that level, but it is, it's pretty like not an entertaining movie. It's hard to explain. It's a well-told story, but it's just one of those like you know Hollywood. I did all the Hollywood things. Let me spend a little money and do something I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, this, on the other hand, I'm not sure what this is. Poker face, uh, a really me, rich guy. I mean, I guess you'll let yeah, you let me this. give you the, uh, yeah, let me give you the, the, the synopsis here. A tech billionaire hosts a high stakes poker game between friends, but the evening takes a turn when long held secrets are revealed an elaborate revenge plot unfolds and thieves break in. And it's all, it's, this is another 90 minute movie. It's got all that stuff in it. It has a really weird opening scene that takes a long time where uh, Crow's main character goes to visit uh, his shaman, basically, to get his blessing for this little exercise that he's going to put his pals through. And, and it's just too much. Like, if this, if, this, if this movie could have stuck to one premise or another, if it could have been you're all sequestered into this, you know, out in the middle of nowhere thing, and you got to play poker, basically, for your own futures, that would have been something. But there's very little poker in it. For all the cards that are featured in the artwork and stuff, it's very <laughs> little, there's very little poker in it, and therefore poker doesn't make a very good metaphor. 
Um, but poker doesn't even have to be a metaphor. Poker can be the whole damn story if you want to name your film Poker Face. And if you want to have this really long, elaborate setup heading towards a poker game that then becomes a hostage movie during an art heist by people that we haven't met till they show up at the house halfway through the movie mm. and also have a personal grudge or whatever. It just gets messy and complicated. I'm not going to say incoherent mess, but this film really does have that. What was this film trying to be? It, it, it turns the tables on you from a, from a plot standpoint way too many times and even by the end you're like wow what i won't ruin the ending for you it did make me go wow but not in a good way (laughs) but it's better on the whole than misfits which tells a very very similar story um crow is just a better actor and digs deeper than brosnan does i know brosnan is capable of being great but misfits isn't doesn't want that from him crow's trying to get to something his friends are could have been interesting but they're not really allowed to be you don't have time enough to spend with them his kid is in and out of the story too quick the the art thieves are sort of comical but they don't make you laugh so Mm -hmm. and it's not for what it is it's not anywhere near brutal enough and it's not fun enough to be a comedy or a satire so it just misses all the marks it sucks the premise is great The premise is great. It makes you kind of want to watch it, but it doesn't do it. Doesn't get all there. Right. Um, all right. Up next is Breaking with John Boyega and Michael K. Williams. Um, yeah, I believe this is Michael K. This will be Michael K. Williams' final film in release. Yes, anyway, I'm not sure right. where yeah. it was made. Uh, he plays a hostage negotiator. John Boyega plays a veteran who has had his uh, his um, disability checks or his pension checks uh, dry up due to a technicality and is holding a bunch of people in a bank hostage to get basically to get his message out. He's not trying to rob the bank. Don't really mm-hmm. want to hurt anybody, but expects the cops to show up and does not expect to live through the experience. He isn't it. Boyega is fantastic in it as this, you know, these guys, it's fun for an actor to play, but it's sometimes it looks like it's going to be fun and they just can't do it. The, the, the character dancing on a, you know, pinpoint role. It's a challenge and it's great. And you're in almost every scene, but it's, Mm-hmm. You know, it's it it's it's it, it's a challenge because it's hard to keep that believable and keep that grounded in believability. This film requires that, and and, and John definitely delivers. Which is, it's it's as good as I've seen him in anything. In fact, I'll go so far as it is flat out the best I've seen him in anything. And Williams is, and that so that's the recommending point. Uh, Williams obviously is fantastic. The two of them bond together, but you know this situation is made for. Hostage situations like this, it's made for for mm-hmm. SWAT teams and snipers, man. It's not made for two guys talking it out. And that's, you right. know, so you can kind of see what's coming. Um, that doesn't make it any less riveting. The two ladies in the bank, uh, his family, it, it, it's just, it's a tight, tiny little film, but really tense and really well done. It's not a fantastic film. 
Because again, you've seen this exact situation many, 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 many times. But this right. film, I'm happy to say, absolutely gets the execution right, especially from an acting standpoint. Well, very cool. Very, very cool. Um, all right. Up next is Emily, the criminal Aubrey Plaza. Down on her luck and saddled with debt, Emily gets involved in a credit card scam that pulls her into the criminal underworld of Los Angeles, ultimately leading to deadly consequences. <laughs> um, uh, we had Joel at Aubrey Plaza, by the way, so he's on yeah. board. Um, you know, it's funny. This is like a story of never giving up. Except in this case, Emily's refusal to back down and refusal to not get up and fight in every situation leads her further and further into the underworld. And essentially, by the end of the thing, well, you can imagine how things turn out. They, they, these types of things don't tend to have super happy endings. And when they right. do, they tend to be more like the misfits and stuff, which are very good. So um, Aubrey's fantastic in this, though. Just, you know, it's... A, kid with a temper who's trying to get her life back in order trying to make a little money so she can just get by and she really is um and has always been admittedly the dark side of it but the dark side of the the dark voice of her generation you know whether it's in a Mm -hmm. comedy whether it's as whether it's grumpy cat christmas whatever it is she she embodies that thing. Yep. And at least on screen, she does. I think in life, you can tell she's a totally different breed of cat. You know, <laughs> like she still is that, but she's like way more than that. This film, though, she's just a normal person. She plays her. She's just, it, it's a really, really, it's, it's like Boyega in the other films. Just really, really well done. You don't believe. You know, you don't believe this character can get the best of some of the people that she gets the best of, except she right. makes you believe it because the script allows for this fact that she just she comes at you in ways that you don't expect. She keeps on ticking long after you beat her down. You know what I mean? She plays mm-hmm. dead and then appears behind you at the worst possible moment, and it's just, <laughs> the whole thing is you you. It's funny because the whole time I'm like, yeah, you know, the whole time. And yet moments later, and this is how you should feel moments later, I'm like, geez, actually, if she'd have gotten caught there or if she'd have been sent to the hospital there, like this, that probably would be the best thing that could happen to her. Right. <laughs> her able to survive these in- escalating incidents of cr- the criminal underworld uh, don't, don't serve her or society yeah. any good, but... We like we like Breaking Bad, you know. We like those sorts of stories, and that's absolutely what this is. Um, and just it's it, you know, this is a really well reviewed movie, and I don't know that again. It's kind of like Breaking. It it's I don't know how great it is. We have seen all this before, but super high marks for execution. And when you're in that crime drama, sus- especially suspense, if you, that's the genre you're in, it's only yeah. about execution. Because anybody can come up with the next sort of Hitchcockian sort of plot, but yep. you got to you, you got to to some degree you got to do it almost as good as Hitchcock for it to be worth existing. And these ha- have the same sort of challenges. And Breaking's was really good. This is almost extraordinary. 
So I highly recommend it if it sounds like the kind of thing you wouldn't mind sitting through. Very cool. It's a dark cool. tale, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next is The Outfit uh, with uh, Mark Rylance and Zoe Deutsch. Another basically single location. This could have been a play. It all takes place in this this um, tailor's shop in England. And it's about English crime people. And it's about a lowly tailor who gets wrapped up in a big criminal event. And very much like Emily in Emily the Criminal... <laughs> cons and talks and lies and hides and everything you can imagine his way to surviving through the end of the story and watching Rylance mm -hmm. do that is a joy it's a just a pure treat <laughs> and and so but the film looks like you're going to be seeing some kind of um what's the 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 stupid they're coming up on our list actually the gentleman spy movies you know what i'm talking right about yeah Taren, like the Taren kingsman Edgerton. yeah, yeah it, King, kingsman yeah it's artwork suggests something like that it's trailer suggests there's more scope to it but it's just the thing you have to understand about it is it's 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 not a murder mystery because we know who did everything it really is just watching this guy squirm his way out of something we all know the truth about. So that's, that's a hard thing to maintain even for an hour and 40 minutes. And the movie does a really, really good job of it. It's yeah. modest. So know that, but the period details are great. The Taylor's shop is like a really great old theater set. Everybody looks like a million mm -hmm. bucks. The accents are fun. The tough talk, the way people turn on each other unexpectedly. I mean, it's got all that in it. It's fun. And, yeah. and like I said, Rylance, as the innocent caught up in this, who's who turns out would have made a much smarter and better criminal than most of the rest of these people. It, it's fun <laughs> to watch that play out. It's really neat. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Uh, I was, so I, I thought I would like that movie. I, I watched it. This is how, you know, I thought it would be good because I put it right after Jurassic world dominion. in my watching thing? Because I knew, yeah. I knew I would need to take a good cinema shower after Dominion, and this is the film I chose to do it. And it, right. I, I absolutely needed that, and this film absolutely delivered. So I may think a little higher of it than some, but I do, I do recommend the outfit if you if you like that sort of where the script and the talking is everything. Yeah, it's fun, super fun. Well, yeah, and you know, Rylance has. Rylance, you know, it rarely is going to choose a movie that is going to be just sort of paint by numbers. He's going to always have some some tweak, some angle that he's going to take on a take. I, on I think so. that's correct, but if but at some point, all of them, no matter how great they are, Christoph Waltz, these sorts yeah, of yeah. actors and these sorts of characters, eventually you're not toast to the town. You don't just don't stay that way forever. And you just got to yeah. kind of take what comes along to keep. keep. And I, that's yeah. That's where I was going was, is, 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 you know, he, he's such a quirky actor. Is this sort of him sort of, uh, sort of in a, uh, what like standard, not standard, but just like, yeah, this, no, this, this really is the then, movie like that. It's coming up. 
we'll talk about okay. it when we get there. All right. Well, SP, so that was uh, the category of crime stories. We're going to move right along. Got to look at this. We are, we're only, you know, 35 Don't minutes. Brag we until we get to the yeah, end. Man. Yeah, I know. But I'm just Don't saying, we're already at SBNI thrillers. Don't burst. Burst. Uh, all right. Well, um, let's get a. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, together. but I just feel like who knows what's no, going to happen. Right. How many times? How many times have we like? Yeah, we're cruising right along. Woo! We're going to have a quick show for y'all. They're going to. We're going to get out of here, and yeah, we're all going to be able to go out and grab a grab a bite of uh, later at Applebee's. And then somebody yeah, that, throws a banana peel like, in our path, and it's all over after that. Yeah, and then yeah, and then we talk about Gordon Eleven. Uh, no, so um, no. Uh, we, this next movie features Jessica Chastain, uh, whom I love. Uh, Penelope Cruz, also great. Bing Bing Fan, and Diane Kruger. Ah, uh, that yeah, love Diane so, Kruger. Uh, we also have Lupita Nyong'o. Ah, uh, yeah. So let let's uh, let's gather all of them together and call them the three five five. Yeah. Why do we call them that? This is some explanation in the movie, but it's not good enough mm-hmm. to name your movie three five five. Um. Yeah. Uh, what's the new category, Joel? We didn't say that. S- oh, yeah. Espionage thrillers. So when I call... People call everything a thriller. They call horror movies right. thrillers. They call Correct. action movies thrillers. They call suspense movies right. thrillers. They call crime dramas Indeed. thrillers. They call right. biographies thrillers. Awesome. <laughs> I... <laughs> and they're, they're not wrong. That's They all right. are that. But I reserve the term thriller for spy movies, espionage movies, assassin movies, that sort of thing. Tom Clancy movies are thrillers. James Bond movies are thrillers. It's a wide net, but it's not the whole gambit. Everything that's not a comedy is a thriller. Because I I find that that's not useful. And what we really think of when we think of a thriller, I think is what we think of when we think of suspense films. But Hitchcock called it suspense. He's the godfather of suspense. I adopt that term for those types of movies. So thriller, where does it mm-hmm. go? It goes here to espionage mm-hmm. thrillers. All right. And you were saying what? Thriller. Three, five, five. What's the gimmick? Three, five, five. It's a bunch when of a, babes. Woo! It's women. When a top secret weapon falls into mercenary <clears throat> hands, a wild card CIA agent, a agent joins forces with three international agents on a mission to retrieve it while staying a step ahead of a mysterious woman who's tracking their every move. That's nice. I like that. Uh, espionage movies, typically their synopsis basically bring you to the middle of the first act and just leave you there if they're good. Because if they go much further than that, they tell you way too much. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what that synopsis does. So well done, whoever wrote that. Um, I fi- I enjoyed... 355 it's good i mean it's at least as good as the hundreds of other um things like this that are all about dudes but it just isn't really any better than that and that was sad because i i wanted it to actually be good who directed it it is directed by simon kinberg so there you go simon kinberg who brought us such things as he like he wrote um uh well let's see we got death on the knot he was pretty these are producers hold on we yeah don't look he's at a his writer producer. yeah yeah he, he as a writer but here he look he's a writer 
turned director who's got way too many producing credits. And the reason that is because he's a Hollywood sellout hack. Um, that doesn't mean that everything he does is bad. That's not true. But a lot of things he does are just, they're homogenized, test audienced films custom, you know, on a big level that are custom mm -hmm. made to please the suits that are writing the checks. And he's never done much of anything, in my opinion, that goes beyond that. Right. His, I think uh, he yeah. wrote the original screenplay for Last Action Hero, and that's where he was sort of discovered. That original screenplay was really great, again, until Hollywood got a hold of it. But instead of learning that lesson, he he just was like, oh, this is how you get a movie made. <laughs> so he, he brought the X-Men franchise to a screeching halt. This film is like that. It's very confident, big-scale storytelling. The action's pretty good. Um... It's got a lot of kinetic energy in it, and these actors in these roles are really, really fun to watch. And the things that they care about, um, but it, 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 it's way too light on its feet for some of the just brutal, grisly things that happen in it. And it's, it's way too grisly to be entertaining enough to justify such a sort of antiseptic and generic action movie style that Ken Berg brings to it. So I, I it's hard. I, I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. I love Diane Kruger and Jessica Chastain and uh, the rest of the ladies in this are, I particularly love those two actors. Um, everyone else though is doing really, really good and, and giving it their all. And it just, it like, you know, I don't say this when back in the day when, you know, when whatever, Gerard Butler and all these same, you know, the male equivalents of these types of characters show up in something. Yeah. Jason Statham. But it, they deserved better than just another movie like that, and that's all they got. That's all Kimberg's right. capable of. I, I, I do believe he tries to give us the best movies he can. I'm not, I don't want to be too hard on him. Right. But... <laughs> He's uh he's he's going to be giving us as a as the writer at least he's going to be giving us the updated Logan's Run which uh, yeah well we'll see if that happens yeah, I've we'll seen see that, that thing in development for the last thirty two years and we'll see yeah um um good luck but, all right good luck man yep, good, good luck, luck Kinberg upping Simon. Logan's Run that'll be fun yep. to see uh all right next up uh is uh every one of one of the world's uh great chris's chris pine uh in the he's contractor in, he's in, in the contractor he's in two of our espionage movies actually uh which is cool and he's, yes yes he is he, he's good in both of them but one definitely has the edge over the other and the winner is not the contractor. Sorry. Not the contractor. Contractor's got a cool premise. Again, Pine plays a very, like, very. Chris Pine's a really good actor, and he's really relatable movie star, good looking dude. And you can slip him into any of these types of roles, and he instantly brings, like, honorability and integrity and all those things that you want out of a movie star. Um, so I like him, and I, sh I show up for him in these types of littler things. He plays, uh, well, read the synopsis. Uh, the synopsis is a, come on, computer, there we go. A discharged U.S. Special Forces Sergeant, James Harper, risks everything for his family when he joins a private contracting organization. 
soldier who, because something went wrong, was discharged from the military and needs the money, uh, served with a guy, played brilliantly as always by Ben Foster. He's a bit, Ben's a bit of an overactor, but man, what an overactor he is. He's so <laughs> great. He's so great. Um, and he actually really plays this one low and down to the bone, which is really neat to see. And, of course, Chris and Ben played brothers in the vastly superior Hell and High Water. But when they're... So there's history between them, and that's very much alive and happening right on the screen in front of you. When they're on screen together, it's a delight. And you, they did it to work together. And pretty big budget, traveling to Europe. There's a lot going yep. on here. Decent action. Contractor's not a total dud or anything, but it's, it's the same as I said with the ladies in the three five five. They just these guys deserve so, a better movie than this. We've we've literally seen them in a better movie than this and seen how awesome they are. And at a certain point, uh, you just can feel it. The best moment in the movie is also kind of the worst because the movie doesn't earn it and makes it feel like it's not worth it. And that. That's a bummer, and and the justice doled out at the end of so much complicated betrayal is just too simple to be satisfying, almost. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, you you put a guy in an impossible situation, and how does he climb back out of it? You know, movies, uh, movies like, um, uh, God damn it! Remember when I used to remember what effing things were yeah, called? I remember- I do, I do, and um, I. But I People don't remember how long ago that was. Night. Ryan, what's that song with that dude in it? What's that thing that does this? I was literally like Google for hundreds of people. Now, it's just not Nothing. that. Granted, the movie I'm thinking of has a pretty generic, can't remember it title. It's by Tony Scott, had Will Smith in it. This guy has his whole life basically just completely unraveled in every way it can. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that movie finds a way. A very clever way, uh, you know, but a very clever way to for him to put the pieces back. You have to be able to do that. Film like The Firm, you know, where it doesn't even follow the book. It wants to give you something of a of a happy ending, as much as one of it as it can muster. So it has to figure out a way out, and it's got to be smart about that. Uh, this movie, it 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 definitely puts him in a bad spot where you feel like it's these. They're too powerful. You'll never get out. You can never see your family again. You know, all this stuff. And it's just like, mm-hmm. and the way he solves it is it with brute nonsense and that relies on the stupidity of his enemies, which we've been told the whole movie are so tied in and brilliant. It is a frustrating film because it, it, it wasn't bad at all from a character standpoint, again, from an acting standpoint, and even from an action standpoint, it's pretty good. But... You just you failed the believability test. I get that it's hard, but the script it just didn't try hard enough. It's really frustrating to me. I I I like when the movies this kind of movie slightly smarter than me, and and yeah. I don't consider myself super smart, and I just feel like you you, you got to beat me at, at at that game or mm-hmm. it's all is lost, which that's the case with this film contractor so i'm just real quick trying to find that movie um it was called uh got a pretty generic called, name i believe it was called hitch no i believe it was called um en- no, enemy, of the, state. enemy hey, of the I state remembered. Woo! There it is. at the last minute yep. enemy um, of the all, state that's actually a good right. title for it it's a good that's a solid title it's not bad. uh all right next up 
is after the contractor is uh, James Norton, Gemma Arterton, rogue agent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Rogue agent. Uh, go ahead, read the thing. Okay. Read the thing. All right. The thingy. Uh, <laughs> the extraordinary and chilling story of career con man Robert Freegard, who masqueraded as an MI5 agent and fooled people into going into hiding. And Good the woman who stop, fell stop, for him. Stop, stop, stop. Way too much. I shouldn't have had okay. you read that. If I'd have known it said all that. It shouldn't even be an espionage thriller. It's basically a con game movie, but you yeah. don't know that till three quarters of the way in, or you know it. You all know it now because we read the stupid synopsis. Not your fault, Joel. That was a terrible synopsis. Um, it is based on the incredible true story. If you want to trot that bad boy, in. based on the incredible true story. Um, this there guy's still out there, so look out, ladies. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, he got out. He went. Yeah, he went to prison but got on a technicality. Since we've ruined the whole movie, why not just tell you the real thing that happened? Um, Norton and Jim Arterton are really, really good performers. They're, they're, they're both in a lot of terrible things because they both do a lot of British comedies and stuff. And some of those are, are uh, I don't mind saying, they're awful. Yeah. There's a certain kind of British comedy. I'm not sure... I didn't get to many of them this year, but it's hard to explain what they are. But they're 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 um, they're like Love Actually, yeah, um, that kind. They all suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> these two guys are in a bunch of those, so you know, whatever. Okay, um, and and women don't English women don't seem to like Gemma Arterton. They seem to resent her a lot. For, like she was an it girl for a while that they really that they all turned on and yet she sort of maintained her dignity throughout that process and now it's like they can't look away they just they have to watch her you know what i mean right it's weird it's like 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 old angry republican ladies have to tune in to see the barbara walters interview with michelle obama just because they just have to and yeah. even though they don't like her or don't believe in the same things as her, they just they find themselves just commenting on what she's wearing and getting all into the minutia of her because that's what these types of people do. And no offense to you if you like Love Actually, but that's what that audience is supposed to be. You like all the little bits and pieces because if you think about what it is as a whole, it's just a big lot of superficial, smug nonsense that is yeah. talking down to you in the worst possible way in an almost worse than reality television type of way because it's just because at least reality television is like oh look you know a bunch of sluts on a date with the same guy let's all watch that we'll all be terrible people and but you know we'll wake up in the morning and we won't be as bad as those guys so who cares did those sorts yep. of films they they trick you into thinking that they're clever or that they're good or that they have some sort of artistic merit and it's their sneakiness that I believe I resent right. most of all. So, getting back to Rogue Agent. <laughs> Rogue Agent. Rogue Agent. Sorry, I say, well, I'm not going to talk about things I hate, but I've, you know, I had to sit through the, whatever the F it was, the 20th anniversary of Love Actually, watch everybody tripping over themselves, talking, it's my favorite painting. And I just, every time, man, I'm just like, I got to get it out. I got to get it out. So there you go. And I think mm -hmm. I was measured in my criticism of it, right? I used my words. Sure. 
you used words. Yes, it wasn't just uh, it wasn't uh, a, a a fiery a fiery wordless. Yeah, you didn't. Uh, yeah, you didn't yelp into the uh, void. Uh, so, um, but no, it's good. Uh, 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 Rogue Agent, awesome. Okay. It's everything those <laughs> types of movies are not. It plays That's on. Not where I thought this was going. It plays on oh. Norton's like seductive skills, and it plays on Gemma's like sort of crusty exterior that she's earned by all this stuff. But it 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 the journey she goes on breaks her down, and like there's there's this way that you can't. It's hard to explain, but. We all know that person, your mm-hmm. toughest nails or whatever, you know, and and it's really interesting watching a person like that realize that they're not. And not because they're smacked down in any sort of way, but just because they're like just deconstructed right in front of you. And they realize that their whole life's been sort of railing against things like Love Actually, like I just did. And when the real stuff comes down, they find themselves capable of of really caring First of all, which is important human characteristic, and and being brave enough to take action. It's 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 extraordinary yeah. performance by her, and Norton is equally extraordinary. He's got a little easier role, but <laughs> but it's extraordinary. And the other victims of this guy that we get to know in this movie, one in particular, who at least this part I won't ruin for you. So there's you'll have a reason to yeah. see the film. Um, God, one in particular, just, it's just, she just broke my heart on screen, truly. And it's, it, it being brainwashed is a thing that really happens. It happens to all of us in little ways. It happens to big masses of us in huge ways. And when it happens to you entirely, Mm -hmm. that loss of self, the loss of will, it's extraordinary because somewhere inside you, you know, it's all wrong. And yet that fact that that thing in your mind that's been broken fights against that reality tooth and nail. It's a, it's a tough thing to watch. And this film, it pulls no punches showing us that. And it's very, very believable how it's portrayed on screen. It's not a very flashy movie. It's not a big budget movie or anything like that, but the, the dilemma at the heart of it is twisted and terrible and, and it had to be put to a stop. And yeah. it's, I, I thought rogue agent, I thought would be good because oh little British movie. I mean, why would they even make it if there's not a story here to tell? Right. Um, I wasn't impressed with the movie so much as I was really blown over by the story. So, and that's cool. as far as true crime stories, that's, they don't do that. You know, they, they do the other thing. They go for the, they sensationalize everything and they, and I hate that, you know, it's not that I'm not interested in this sort of thing, but I, I don't like, I just, I don't like being sport, you know, people suffering, serial killers, you know what I mean? Like the Dahmer Mm -hmm. thing that we all Mm -hmm. just went through. Those people's parents are still alive and are very deeply resentful of that project. So, that doesn't mean it's not well done or well acted or there aren't certain things that are good about it, but that way we barrel forward into true crime and real history and all that stuff without care so much for those folks. And we'll talk more about this 
going forward when we really get to based on Incredible True Story. I called this an espionage thriller because that's what it pretends to be for the first 40 minutes. <laughs> right. It's but something in different. Reality, and, it's, and it's kind it of amazing. Is. So it's worth your time. It is. Based on the Incredible True Story. All right. Next up is Allison Janney, Journey Smollett, and Lou. Uh, Netflix's Lou. Lou. This is movie's the opposite. This movie you don't think is a espionage film <laughs> until you're well into it. So that's a spoiler right there. This is like a kidnapping movie. Psycho yeah. dad out in the boondocks kidnaps his daughter. And uh, town, town weirdo played by... Um, uh, title character Lou, played by uh, Allison Janney. Thanks, um, mm-hmm. is recruited to help his mother, Smollett's character, um, get her kid back. Uh, it's and in the early goings, when you don't know what's going on, I thought it was fantastic. I thought as all the explanations and all the talking and all the relationships were revealed, it it is a case, and there are a lot of movies are like this. It's a case of each successive reveal diminishes what goes before it. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like Lou's not yeah. a bad movie by any means, and it's not. You might those constant twists might. You might like those, and then in which case you're in for a treat because it's certainly well acted. It's all raining the whole time. It's really moody and you know cool. Um, but I, but the, the, that's a very real phenomena to me, where it's like, mm, ah, re, you know, each <laughs> thing is like, eh, you know, this is now, hmm, you know, the, like the longer a TV show goes on, you know, it's like how many, yeah, how many marriages does the commander of Babylon five have to have and how many of them do we have to be surprised about well into them? It's like, this is something, this is a, it's a rabbit. Like the third rabbit out of the hat is like, it's just another rabbit who gives an F about that. And that's kind of how I felt about Lou, but it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly cool. Uh, There's a lot of talk about uh, Toto in it, which I approve of because I'm a big Toto fan. Um, I'm a big Toto fan. One of my favorite Toto songs is Mr. Mm-hmm. Friendly. Do you know that one? Well, then you're not a Toto fan, so just shut the hell up. Mr. I go. Only Know Africa. I was just going to say, uh, based upon the trailer that I'm watching, the rains were not. They did not. Uh, uh, the, the rains came from Africa, and they certainly needed to bless them here. There's lots of rain in this trailer and stuff. For, for not following you. But thanks for trying. I, don't worry about it. Just tried. Uh, you know, uh, Africa actually is the song that's featured, and so it's not Mister Friendly, oh, nor was it could it ever have been, or Girl Goodbye, or you know any of the Toto deep cuts that that Ryan's super into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an actual Toto fan. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm a bigger Toto fan than the dude in the movie who claims to be a super fan. So that, I guess that maybe that's me. bad. Maybe that shocks me down. not at all. That shocks me not at all. That that uh, I think hold the line is also case. in it, so that's cool. Africa and hold the line, they're almost like two different bands. Solid. So yep, cool. solid, solid song though too. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, all right, Lou, that's Lou. Um, next up is all the old knives. Now this is our second Chris Pro- Chris Pine uh, film in this category, but this is Chris Pine with a beard and turtleneck and peacoat. 
And it is if, it, compared to the contractor where he's the j- j- American everyman. This is guy is a suave, uh, very much. I mean, it's still Chris Pine, so he's still got a little bit of that twinkle in his eye, obviously. But this guy's a very quiet, suave, like Le Carre type of leading man, and and it's all the movies. All he feels a little bit out of place in it, but he's a game actor and does a really nice job with the character. Mm-hmm. Dandy Newton is incredible in it, and who's the grizzled old character actor that carries this one? That would probably be Lawrence Fishburne, or there's Jonathan Price. Both are really really <laughs> good in it. Yeah, um, Fishburne less so because he's just brought in to, to order people around, but Price is extraordinary in it as you'd expect. Um, although Bryce, he'll sell his soul for a paycheck too. <laughs> and he's showing <laughs> yes, up in a bunch will. of junk. He's in, he's in both, uh, GI Joe movies as the president. So, so, you know, I'm not, whatever, dude, I'm not, mm-hmm. he needs, he needs to have a jacuzzi just like everybody else. But I just saying that's, yeah. uh, he's yeah. great in this Standy's great in it. A lot of talk, not a lot of shootouts. Uh, you know, there's some history. There's this weird uh, uh, jet hijacking that you see in bits and pieces. It reveals itself as to what happened as the thing goes on that happened in the past. But it really is. Um, it's not look as good as a Le Carre movie. It, it, few things are, but it's it has that sort of. This guy is thinking his way through this, and he's threatening and cajoling and talking his way to the truth with the amongst these people. One of whom he used to be in love with, another whom used to mentor him, and and it works good. Pine's commanding in the role. Like I said, it's not an ideal role for him, but he's he's great in it. And, and it's the, you know, real, whatever spies or real government agents who, you know, whose biggest job that they do really is collect people who actually do the spying for them. That's what spying actually Mm -hmm. is. And that gets very, very complicated emotionally, ethically, morally. And I like when a film examines that stuff where that has a neat story that, you know, it's a story that's so good that I don't even care. Like, I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm letting it wash over me. And that's what sure. All the Old Knives is. It's not great cinema or anything, but it's really, really strong. If that sort of thing is what you like, the, you know, the Tinker Tailor soldier spy side of spy mm-hmm. novels. This is, this isn't, it's nowhere near that level. Tinker Tailor is all time classic, but it, I love that it, that's what it's going for. And the fact that it kind of gets us halfway there is really impressive when they, considering they started from scratch. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, all right. Up next is a movie that threw its hat in the ring to have uh, the best looking cast uh, of any movie. Uh, Better this, than Penelope Cruz and Diane Kruger and Jessica Chastain. Well, I'm just saying they threw their hat in there because you have uh, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans uh, and then uh, on it. That's what you're into. If that if that is what you're into, I'm just saying that's a good looking cast. Yeah. Yeah. So um, but this movie is the Grayman. No, it's the gray man. (laughs) Did you see this? Uh, 
Uh, I did not see The Great Man, no. The, the, Gosling and Evans made a movie together that cost $120 billion by uh, the guys who brought you the last two hugest Avengers movies. Yeah, the Russos. And yep. even you didn't bother to check it out for free, and you could have this entire time. So okay. that's the problem with The Great Man. The, but the great thing about it, it's also kind of the great thing about it. <laughs> it's like, not, it's like you know what I mean? The problem with it is people couldn't be bothered, I, which I kind of think is crazy. But but they couldn't be bothered because it's it's not what you think. It's not really crowd-pleasing. It yeah. is in some ways Gosling, you know, the very soft-spoken Gosling, extremely it, – it's superficial performance by him because we've seen him do amazing things on yeah. film and this he does the same but it you can tell it's a bit of a vacation movie for him that doesn't mean he doesn't yeah. bring the performance it just means the performance that's required of him is a little bit comfy but he's got a whole section of the movie where he's got to protect a plucky little girl from assassins and she <laughs> mouths off to him and they have a fun relationship like that's that's great stuff right we all like that kind of thing evans plays this despicable uh, I'm only in it for the money and will kill anyone for any price guy who you just mm -hmm. hate by the end of the movie. But again, you hate him in a pretty superficial way. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the Russo brothers are doing. I really don't. I mean, they did. Won't they let them make any more Marvel movies or, or do they just want to prove they, they can do other kinds of movies? No, I, I think that was exactly what this, this was a, Hey, you know, can we, you know, we we did your, you know, we did your giant, you know. Uh, no, that uh, but that was their and, previous and, but, movie with uh, Spider Man. Yeah. What was the war mm -hmm. movie with the two kids who get all addicted to drugs and stuff? Everyone hated that movie, even me. I thought it was okay, but I just hated it. I don't like do. I don't like going through right. that story. That movie was for no one. That was we're gonna do it, do our own thing. We got the clout. We can make anything we want. Here it is. Right. This was like running home to mama. Here's a big glitzy spy shoot him up with a helicopter chase and all this stuff. Tons of money, two big stars. And it just came out on streaming to die and to be meaningless. And it will never be in a home on a home video format other than Netflix exclusive. And people didn't really yeah. watch it and don't care about it. And I'm like, if if you're There's this uh, Louisiana band called LaRue, and they put out this album. It was their last album where it was like the record company was like, you better have a hit or you're done. And so they made mm -hmm. this album that sounds basically just like Journey. And the, the opening song has this line in it it's called, um, the way you walk makes me wish that I was every sidewalk in town. <laughs> um, and when I listen to it, I go, you know, this is kind of terrible for this, what used to be this sort of Cajun funk, you know, rock band. It's, yeah. Now they're just this slick AOR corporate rock with these ridiculous lines. And yet you can't hate them when they're trying so hard to please Yeah. like that. You know what I mean? And that's how I felt when I was watching Grey Man. I was, it was very entertaining. It was much smarter than things of its ilk. Um... But it's almost like it's it it's also bland enough that it almost deserves to be unrecognized, which it pretty much was. So, so I don't know how I feel about it. It's worth your time. I mean, I don't know. But it, yeah, like, I mean, like I'll, I'm telling Joel, you didn't 
Gosling and Evans weren't and Russo's weren't enough to make you show up on yeah, day one, weird. then what's the point yeah. of a movie like that? It's weird because it's it's a movie that was released in July on Netflix. Like, were they expecting a event summer movie of people going, I'm gonna stay home and watch and 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 have this event, mm-hmm. you know, a summer blockbuster at home so i i i you know i'm just it's it is what was the other big uh, blockbuster the amazon blockbuster with that paramount sold them with chris pratt where they travel into the future and yeah the tomorrow war is that what that one was it's yeah it's better than that but it's the same phenomena as that this massive thing that cost every bit as much money as Top Gun Maverick did that just absolutely that a bunch of people watched and yet that absolutely it has no place to stick in the history of movies. It's it's a yeah. weird streaming anomaly like that. It's nothing anywhere near as good as the movies that got released in theaters. So it feels like it's a second class citizen, even though for a streaming event movie, it's super high class and entertaining. But what is it? I still feel like I don't know what to do with films like that. So right, and obviously right. you don't either. You didn't even you didn't even watch it. I mean, I bet you a lot of people listening here though. Like, they either they may not even have heard of it. And right. there was a time where you put those two stars with this the filmmakers with that pedigree. I don't think the Russos are very good filmmakers. I think they're decent enough storytellers. Their films are bland and crappy. Like they're not. Again, even compared to what else I just ripping on, Jurassic World Dominion, that felt right. like it was made by somebody who understands at least, you know, the feel and look of a thing and how, you know, what a what an event movie should be. This movie feels like a it feels like a TV comedy with a really really big budget, and that's what all their crap feels like to me. So I, you know, and their that other film whose name I can't remember with with uh, Cherry, yeah. Cherry, mm-hmm. same Tom thing. Holland, I mean yeah. that movie, uh, that movie like which checking all the boxes. It's glum. It's gray. It's saturated. The lighting is dim. But it, it's still it, it. That that alone isn't style. It, something internal has to create that on screen. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's place for great storytellers and good writers, which they are, and they can keep making stuff. I like Gray Man, but so I don't. I hate to level all this criticism on them or blame them for the streaming void that these things slip into it's not the gray man's mm-hmm. fault gray man was fun the people should have watched it and um, they didn't well yeah they did so, so i don't know um, what to say weird well well dear listener were you thrilled with that thriller category um uh, remember yeah, when we were time. at 47 minutes and you were like we're doing awesome and i was like well i haven't started talking about love actually yet that's what i was thinking yeah no it's well we're still in great shape okay i didn't know i was gonna talk shape. about love actually to be fair but it just came to me no it was it was delightful uh only to be topped by uh what you actually said about um about rogue agent because uh, that's not where i thought this was going <laughs> uh and that is gonna be the thing that i feed on uh, is it rogue agent's really good (laughs) well yeah and that's not where i I thought after the rant on love actually that's you were gonna be like and that's what rogue agent is and it just shows you those rogue those those love actually type people can make awesome work too when they yeah i'm when they just give a shit about people i know i'm a little biased i don't like 
we we're going through an era where we're, we're irreverent to the point of destruction and to the point of not caring and we're chasing down things that we know we won't have to care about so we can just escape life for a little while and i i do mm -hmm. that i absolutely do that just as much as anybody Truly, wait till next episode when I give you a, a like a de the only decent Fantastic Beast review in the history of America. <laughs> You'll see. Well, I just yeah. I like to be dazzled and escape yep. too, but just I I hate things that don't mean anything, and I hate things where you just I don't know. And to me, it's not all Love Actually's fault, but that's such a celebrated film, and it's. It's such a it's vacuous, weirdly, pandering piece it's of junk. Weirdly, yes, it's so weirdly celebrated and loved. Uh, actually, I, you know. Um, so, so it, uh, all right. I don't bitch about four weddings and a funeral because I felt like that movie's praise was commensurate with its quality, which is a yeah. film by the same people that also don't like. But you know, I don't have to climb up on a mm -hmm. on a uh, what do you call that uh, soapbox. A, a subbox, yes. Um, all right. Well, next up, next category. We're sort of staying in the same vein. We are we are very much in a channel here of uh, thrillers and uh, espionage. Ooh, yeah. And now we are going to go with old-fashioned suspense. I warned you the suspense was coming. So, see, yep. you can call everything on this mm -hmm. list a thriller, essentially. Yeah. That was by design. And and I will say, I mean, you uh, saying that the suspense was coming upped the suspense of the episode. Did it? I think so. Uh, thanks, I, I man. think so. I mean, yeah. Um, all right. Up hey, Russo's. You know, you're quadrillionaires, and you get to make movies, and I got to sit here on a podcast that 120 people watch. So, hey, you you're living the dream. Don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep churning you them know, out, baby. Um, all I have all is right. my opinion, unfortunately. <laughs> we have uh, Steven Soderbergh made another film. Did he? Yep, oh, this yeah. One is with, His uh, Zoe film. Kravitz. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is with Zoe Kravitz, and it is called Kimmy. Soderbergh gets the suspense film. He's made some really good ones that, that went over like a thud. You know, there was the one with uh, Rooney Mara and Channing Tatum and Jude Law and Catherine Zeta-Jones. We're all in a, a suspense film together that was really, really strong and that got really good audience reviews and that came out and nobody saw it by Steven Soderbergh. Hmm. Uh, I don't have that one right in front of me, so maybe Joel will look it up for us. Uh, I will quickly look here and I'm going to guess that that one was called... <gasps> Uh, it's got a short title of memory serves. Uh, and right on the poster, by the man who brought you Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you get, dude, <laughs> for making those. He made those um, so they would let him made, make other things, but, um, but yeah, now I mean, you're there's... always going to be the maker of Ocean's. <laughs> since that was one of your movies that actually made money um she's should... trying to find it see it it's a uh, logan's yeah let me see uh he made that great crime heads. movie last it's, year with uh benicio and all those people in it soderbergh's uh uh yeah. he's an artist a laundromat uh high-flying bird why have i not why have i not a mosaic that's tv um, boy, a lot of stuff here. You know, 
obviously behind the candelabra side effects uh, behind the candelabra is so good check that out Haywire. liberace fans and non-liberace fans are like that's a great movie that's that's Cage ryan murphy check that out shonda rhimes that's what a proper yep. biopic is folks oceans 13 good gravy oceans 12 well i i'm, I, I'm trying, this hard. trying to just yeah, it has a pretty it, short really generic weird. title which is why i can't think of it yeah, I, mean, I I'm literally just reading down. Nakimi, no sudden move. Let them all talk. Laundromat, high flying bird. Life is a uh, your life is a spy. Unsane. Uh, Logan Lucky. Uh, oh, Logan Lucky's great too, and that's a comedy yeah. heist movie. That's fun. Side effects. Um, hey, there you go. Side effects. Thanks. Is it called side? It is called side effects. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay, I clicked on it. Um, and I'm seeing uh, Jude Law here. Yep. Yeah, and you didn't get all the way back to. Um, you know, sex lies and videotape before we realized we'd skip past it. So yeah. look, Soderbergh is interested in form. He he was the guy who very famously, you know, was on a call with Matt Damon and was like, "Hey man, I'm I'm gonna quit directing movies." I think, and Damon's like, "I just did, you know, Hereafter with Clint Eastwood. I mean, he's 92 or whatever, and he's still making movies." And Soderbergh wisely said, he said, yeah, Eastwood's a storyteller, though. I'm I'm an I'm an artist. And he didn't mean it like I'm an artist and and Eastwood's not an artist. What he meant was I'm interested in the form of the thing and I'm running out of template to to do of form Mm -hmm. to explore. I've made these all these different kinds of movies and I'm interested in form the way an artist is. I'm not so much interested in telling you a, the next story. And if the story's good, this is not my way into the thing. And Matt said, well, then screw you. No, I don't know what he said. I'm sure he said, best of <laughs> luck to you or whatever. They're still friends, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, he comes at it from that point of view. And I always like filmmakers like that. Because despite the fact that they're, they all seem to find their way into an abysmal abyss of of like film negativity like Ocean's 12 is genuinely one of the worst movies made in the last hundred years um Ocean's 11 is tolerable for what it is Ocean's 12 is Mm -hmm. is an embarrassment to everyone involved they all owe us all an apology for it It is that bad um it's that bad twice as bad as Love Actually. Um, because at least the guy who made Love Actually was proud of himself. You didn't feel the shame <laughs> and the, the stink of selling out all over him when you... And 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 unfortunately, it's not Soderbergh who sold out. It's all of them. Clooney, Pitt, right. Roberts. Everyone who's involved in that thing just <sighs> brought their Z game and <laughs> delivered an absolute pig turd of a film to the world. <laughs> That said, Soderbergh typically aces. He takes chances. Yeah. When he does do something conventional like side effects, thank you, Joel. <laughs> I was way more work than I thought, or I wouldn't have asked. I um, had no idea that it would be, but yeah. Well, it 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 shows you how busy he's been since then. I view that as one of his more recent movies. He's done a lot of stuff. Um he just does a really, really good job. Because he's, he cares about the form, and so he cares about making art out of these conventional styles of film. Kimmy, read the synopsis. Kimmy is about an agoraphobic Seattle tech worker who uncovers evidence of a crime. 
and has to has to grow a pair and go out in the world mm -hmm. to if she has any chance of either solving it or preventing another one. Uh, the agoraphobia is played pretty well. Um, Zoe Kravitz is a really good actor, and she does a nice job with this. Just, again, one of these little claustrophobic thriller roles where, um, you know, you're basically in every scene and you have to carry the thing. Her relationships are complicated. Her Everything in her life is, is, is a mess, but at least it's her mess in her space mm -hmm. where she's safe in this very, very secure fortress of an apartment that she has. That she knows backwards and forwards, which comes in really, really handy during the big showdown go. at the end. We've all seen that. So again, nothing you really haven't seen before, but a decent story with a, there's a really exciting, disorienting foot chase. Um, and again, a very clever way to tell a simple story during the COVID era that it is, it is that kind of movie. It's a COVID era movie, truly. Um, She's a work-at-home person who's great at her job, and her people love her for it, but but she asks too many questions, and when it comes time to follow up and have a meeting with somebody, she doesn't want to leave her home, doesn't want to give her whole right. name, that sort of thing. Um, I dug it. It's fun. Fun way to pass the time. Not a great film, though. Certainly not great. Soderbergh film, even. The last one he did, the one Joel rattled the name off of a little ways back that we talked about last year, um, that period crime thriller, that was a fantastic film. Yes, and that movie With, was called, yeah. um, um, again, thank you for giving me his producing credits. Um, That's what it, he has it, the most of. That's all IMDb cares about. Uh, it, it, that would have been... Um, it's not the worst way to sort No things. sudden, No sudden moves? No sudden moves, yeah, really, really yeah. good. If you got, you're gonna watch dive into Soderbergh. I, I strong that one again. That that one has the too many twists phenomena we talked about. But that one is so joyful yes. in the writing and so dark and twisted, and it's just got it's got it's got everybody doing their best to tell an interesting story. So this movie, same but much smaller, straight to video, straight to Hulu or whatever. You know, much much more modest thrills from it. Okay. All right. Next up is uh, a absolute sounds like a laugh riot of a film uh, called No Exit. It is during a blizzard and stranded at an isolated highway rest stop in the mountains. A college student discovers a kidnapped child hidden in a car belonging to one of the people inside. Uh, great. Snowy single location ensemble thriller, you know. Um, yep. the first hour and change of it is fantastic. It also suffers from everybody's related. Everybody's connected. When the reveals start coming out, they just are like, they make the thing more and more unbelievable as they go. And that's not what they should be doing, if that makes any sense. So this film mm -hmm. absolutely suffers from that. But this film is by a bunch of new people. You know what I mean? Like they told a fun atmospheric story. It's not Soderbergh we're talking about now. It's not those sorts of folks. So it 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 I admired it and I look forward to what they do next. Um you gotta it's a suspense movie, gotta stick the landing, you know. Yeah. 
You yep. really do. Or you got to have something in the second act that just blows your mind so you don't much care that the ending was unsatisfying. You know, we've talked about how horror movies pull that off all the time. Hard to have the great ending to a horror movie. It's tough. Right. right. But that's not what it takes to be memorable. You just got to have that one thing that you did better, that you did different than everybody else, and your horror movie goes down in the annals of being wonderful for some reason. With suspense, though... It's all about following the rules, but subverting the rules. It's a challenge, and this this movie mm-hmm. comes up short, unfortunately. But it's a lot. There's still a lot to like here, so I don't I don't want to tear these guys down. They're just getting started. Sure, sure, sure. Um, all right. Next up is Deep Water with Ben Affleck. Hey, and Anna De Armas is back. I think it was back in season two where we did a preview for deep water. <laughs> oh, that might have I mean, been, I was yeah. like forever ago where we're like, oh, it's coming up. I mean, it was pre-COVID. This is a pre-COVID movie that waited till post-COVID to come out. And then it didn't even get a theatrical release. It just came out on Hulu. If it had come out on Hulu during COVID, it might have, they might have had something. Instead, it came right. out way after when they started, everyone started releasing movies again. This, however, gets it. This, this film was not liked by people. I don't know why. I suspect for cult of personality reasons, because I don't know why you wouldn't like it, except that maybe the people in it aren't very likable, but that's a common staple of these sorts of films. Um, Everybody deserves what's coming to them, and maybe people don't even get it. You know, I think that, again, I think people have been ruined by CSI Miami and stuff, all that cheap justice that gets doled out on TV. It's all cheap yep. and easy, man. You told a lie in an interview, you get the book thrown at you. You know, it's that's not how the world works. You don't hang up, like, you don't send some hooker who lied to you in the first place to prison just to satisfy the people at home. <laughs> it's not how the world right. works. You, it just, you just don't bother with that. This movie, it, they're, these people are weird and complicated and eccentric. The things that get them off are twisted and bizarre and their relationships with each other are much more codependent than anything we would define as love. People are judgy. People are always trying to get the upper hand on each other, even if there's no purpose served by doing so. People are lying behind each other's back, but this film gets the format. The the crimes that happen here are crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they happen are bizarre. The cat and mouse trying to cover them up is fun. I, I'll just say it to watch play out. Um, and people act inconsistently because sometimes that's what people do. And people with deep psychosis really yep. super act in- inconsistently. And that's what this film delivers. This was directed by a master of the genre, Adrian Lynn. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's made some of our favorites. He made our favorite uh, low-budget horror movie and um, you know, with Tim Robbins, you know, coming back from the war. I can't remember what that's called. Jacob's uh, Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. Yep, Jacob's Ladder. Made Flashdance, made Fatal Attraction. So, I mean, this this guy's made these sorts of movies. Made, uh, made uh, the one, I'll give you a million dollars to sleep with your wife movie. Whatever <laughs> stupid movie that is. Uh, the Indecent Proposal. That's right. That's right. At least Thank God I got that title. I got that title sticking into my head, but I can't remember. Yeah, that's Soderberg not a Bronx cheer. We I mean, about last year. I no, can't but I can't remember the Soderbergh movie from last year. I'll so I'll give you a million um, dollars to sleep with my favorite. The only reason I'm okay with indecent proposal even existing 
is because it got us Saturday Night Live's ignorant proposal, which is one of the funniest <laughs> film parodies yes. that has ever been on. Where <laughs> Billy D. Williams is going to give uh, Chris Rock a hundred dollars. And Chris gets to pull out his catchphrase, a hundred dollars. Oh my God, it's funny. Um, um, here's what I'll say. We don't, we don't talk about like taglines. Very rarely do we bust out the taglines of, yeah, uh, no, but of they're movies. fun, but I really like I really like this one mm-hmm. I, I, and I, and I dig it. And th- this tagline make is enough to make me kind of go, Oh, I'm intrigued. The love story is never the whole story. <laughs> and I just like it. It's so simple, uh-huh. but it's like, Oh, that's really great. And we didn't read a synopsis. And actually with a tagline like that, you don't need to Yeah, that yeah. tells the whole story. It, it's no pun intended. So look, deep water is just not going to be for everybody. I, I don't think it's for modern audiences. It's for people who used to like watching these things with these weird, complicated folks in it it doesn't have the weight mm-hmm. or the baggage in it that a true crime story has and yet it it pokes all the little dark dirty parts of yourself that you go to for that sort of thing but it doesn't yep. in a safe cool fictional world and i i actually appreciated it quite a bit so mm-hmm. there you go um yeah very cool uh, next, Affleck up, remember, and uh, he's outstanding. And in Anna, it. It's a complicated yeah. role, and Anna Anna Diarmas great in it. Um, who's the guy? The character actor so Tracy good. Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts. Thank you, Tracy Letts as the as the nosy judgy neighbor. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic in it. Um, so you know I, that's yep. that stuff is fun. I think very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, all right. Remember that part in uh, Downton Abbey when um, when Lord Grantham like becomes like uh, kind of like all creepy and stocky and uh, yeah, uh, yes. yeah, yeah, that, that. Uh, yeah. And they oh, wait, they decided, maybe you're thinking of something else, Joel. Well, I was going to say, and then they decided that it was so awesome. They're going to spin it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a movie called I Came By uh, with Hugh uh, Hugh Bonneville and George Antonio McKay. A.Q. and <laughs> is that right? George McKay's the guy in it. Uh, nah, that's well. It's here we go. It's in. It's in. Uh, looks like it's in appearance order. Um, or alphabetical. Antonio. And you really Antonio? Got to yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Antonio Aquil, uh Hugh Bonneville. Uh, Purcell Alaska. Right, let's see. I'm trying to look here. I don't think we're looking sure for the vlogger. George, George uh, who we just talked about in uh, Munich, and then with the mm-hmm. thing after it, with the, the double Munich the edge, like the edge of war. It is yeah, George yeah, McKay. Yeah, yeah. It, it is, is George McKay. McKay. Thanks. He was great it was in an alphabetical Munich, in order. In yeah. Munich, the edge of war. Um, he's not so great in this, but this movie is, is silly suspense movies. Now here we are. That's, we're in that category. So, you know, what do you expect? Um, I didn't mm-hmm. like this one as much as, um, deep water, but, but it was pretty good. Like I see the appeal. This is, again, this is a free Netflix movie. It came out kind of in October in horror movie season. It has a very horror movie looking poster and it is nothing like a horror movie. Um, it's a crime story that devolves into something much uglier and spookier. Um, 
but it has a, it has a the film has a real force of will to it that gets it from one thing to the next. And um, Bonneville plays a retired judge who gets wrapped up in the lives of these sort of petty criminals and and uh, graffiti artists. And mm-hmm. it turns out that, I don't know, there's more than meets the eye. You really can't talk about what this movie's about without just wrecking it. So right. I'll just leave it right. at that. It's decent. It's not great. If you like this kind of thing, I, I recommend it. If you don't, I super don't because it really does sort of follow the formula. But I, I, I don't think you guys will see all the twists coming, and that's fun. And the twists in this particular film do not wear out their welcome. They're, they earn them. They're few, but they work. Very cool. Yeah. Um, next up is a movie uh, that uh, made by uh michael scott the, the the person michael scott deemed a wunderkind uh in the office uh no it's bj novak from uh who everyone knows from the office uh but bj novak directed written and uh right wrote and stars in vengeance a uh, story by a writer starring as the writer about how writing solves everything yeah there you um, go um well, or does it? Or um, does it? <laughs> read the premise. <laughs> yep. A writer from New York City attempts to solve the murder of a girl he hooked up with and travels down south to investigate the circumstances of her death and discover what and discover what happened to her. That's a little muddled, but that works. Yeah, but it, it it's a suspense movie. The plot is everything yep. and the way they move through it. Of course, with Vengeance, there's there's more to it. It's got it's got um Novak's wit and his just eviscerating and yet he it's you know the character who played on the office is the perfect example he eviscerates Mm -hmm. that sort of culture that way of talking that way of just making up your whole life it's a fraudulent existence and he just plays this bloggy guy who writes for this thing that is read by people that are this you know, that just like that kind of crap. And mm-hmm. it opens at a cocktail party on a roof in Manhattan where him and this other douche nozzle are having this conversation that just <laughs> makes you, I don't have any hair anymore, but just makes you want to pull your hair out. It's so obnoxious, but it's delightfully obnoxious. I mean, that you just have to buy into that. What the, What's surprising about the movie, because the culture clash the new york blogger full of himself asshole goes to texas to solve a crime amongst all these you know uh moron country folk um it it is that and yet it it actually gets very cleverly almost too cleverly the whole thing's too clever and too pleased with itself but that's not a crime if you are really really clever and pleasing and the film is i was i watched it so that i could talk about it but i was stunned by how much i enjoyed it in the end because it it probes deeper than you think and it does it in the ways that really matter it does it in between lines and and yet it's it's hilarious. I mean, it's really, really funny and it's full of really crazy, funny performances. Uh, and the, and, and it's the, as a crime drama where you're investigating crime, it's, it's nothing like what you expect, which is also a, that's a feather in a film like this is cap. So 
Novak, to me, kind of hit it out of the park, even though we haven't trotted out smugness as like a quality to be desired on the show yet this year. Sure. This is, this yeah. is a case where, where this, he, he, the... he, he gets it that he's smug. It's like, there's that line in the West wing when he's in, when he's they're setting uh, Martin Sheen up for that debate with uh, Josh Brolin's character or sorry, James, James Brolin, Brolin's yeah. character. And, and, and he right out of the gate, he corrects his, his his he says oh, there's three words for that and he actually says five words and he yeah. right out of the gate he corrects him and then, and they're like should he be doing that that that's people don't like that sort of thing and Bradley Woodford explains he's it, behind the scenes at the debate he says no the whole world knows he's an obnoxious know it all we just lean into that for for fun and we typically don't get punished for it and it, that's right. what this is he absolutely leans into that persona but there's a there's an artist and a storyteller and a writer who really and an actor frankly who really knows there's more to every story and that's the lesson of this thing it's yeah. it's 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 scarier it's more twisted it's more moving it's all those things more than you think it could possibly be when you start watching it um, and it's still smug and clever as hell. So, <laughs> yeah. good job, dude. I'm pretty impressed. There you go. That's BJ Novak right yeah. there. Um, all right. Next up is uh, our second Tandy uh, Tandy Newton film. Hey. Um, and this one is God's Country. Oh wow, God's Country. I forgot that we were talking about that tonight. Right. Yep. This is this is got to read the premise. Yep. When a college professor confronts two hunters, she catches trespassing on her property. She's drawn into an escalating battle of wills with catastrophic con consequences. Uh, this is an IFC movie. Very, very light. Uh, where does she live? Do they say Montana or something? Uh, give me a moment. Uh, she's a New Orleans. She's an ex-New Orleans police officer turned professor out in the middle of the mountains someplace. She went there with her husband. That's why she's there. Um, he's dead when we join her in the story. She's grieving. And. Um, Montana, yes. Montana. Montana. And she's pushed. <laughs> he's pushed uh, to respond in the extreme um, and they try and sort it out. I mean, they, it's, it's, it's a, it's a comedy of errors and how, you know, they switch tactics and you think things might work out. Okay. But of course, a movie like this is, as he says, the, the catastrophic, it ends in a catastrophic place. The synopsis told you that, um, that's its selling point, but that's not really what the movie is. The movie is about people trying to keep their shit together and about how those missteps bring out the absolute worst than us and eventually eventually i don't want to say anybody can snap uh me and my buddy nathan who i'm doing the play with were joking the other night there was a an onion headline i didn't read the article i never do the headlines are funny enough basically as they scroll by well, there was an online onion headline that says, and I'm paraphrasing, but it says, uh, man unable to penetrate orange peel with finger believes himself capable of killing should the need arise. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when I read that, I'm like, cause I'm one of those, I'm a writer and I'm a creative and I like to think I, if it's under this circumstance or that I sit here probably for a 
an unusually large portion of my lonely life, I imagine myself in these situations where I do the right thing or I kick ass or I, whatever, I outsmart somebody. Mm-hmm. And the truth is I am, you know, and I don't want to say we all are, but a lot of us who imagine ourselves to be otherwise really can't quite get that orange peel off. And that's it. That's the extent our being angry and throwing the orange across the room while not pleasant to deal with. If you're around us is the extent of our vicious badassery. <laughs> we're just, we're just children having little temper tantrums basically. Um, mm-hmm. Tandy Newton's character in God's country proves to be otherwise. She was not to be messed with. Even though she's got the soul of a person who w- wants not to be going through this stuff, right? Um, she's not quite Emily the criminal, but it's it's similar. It's like you, you, you know, it's similar to that story. It's just a very isolated, you know, mountainous Montana version of that story, where Emily the criminal is pretty urban, cool, urban chic. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, wrapping up our episode of movies from 2022 is a movie that is uh, getting a lot of getting a lot of buzz right now because um, it is available on um, on some it has become available on streaming platforms, um, and that is the menu, uh, and that is uh, Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor Joy, Nicholas Holt, and it is a young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Uh, there was uh, some blogger online who I imagine it was like BJ Novak's character in Vengeance wrote an article and the headline of the article was the ultimate in food horror. (laughs) (laughs) And he went on to explain why the menu's genius and it is the ultimate food horror movie. And I just thought that's interesting. That's kind of like saying elf is the ultimate in sitcom space alien puppetry. (laughs) I'll go further. Elf is the ultimate in 80s sitcom space alien puppetry. There you go. All other comers, Joel, pale by comparison. Mm-hmm. Of all of the food horror films that came out in the end of last year starring Ray Fiennes, <laughs> this one. But the point is you don't even have to go as far as all cake. that. It, yeah. It's already a specific thing that makes no sense. What yeah, Name horror, any yeah. other food horror movie for me, please. You have seven uh, minutes. I mean, uh, the cook, the wife, the thief, thief and his lover. Sort of. Okay. A little. Uh, like, I guess I have but to that give movie, you that one. That movie's like 20, 30 years old. That movie, point, and like the menu, it's not really a horror movie. Yeah. So even that part, he's getting wrong. It's not that there's no horror in it. It's that like a lot of uh, films that horror fans take under their wing it's like the third or fourth sort of thing you get to when you're talking about what the film is. First and foremost, yeah. the menu is satire. It's effing brilliant satire. Really, really good. It's only the second best uh, horror-related satire of the year because there's another movie that came out that just was like, what? <laughs> what is it? It just mm-hmm. that just shakes you to the core. But... This movie is is the smarter of the two, and it it and because it's so smart, 
it just it it's just a it's a total winner. But it's super unpleasant. It's ugly. It's about ugly people. Yeah. Um. There's a movie that was nominated for best Oscar whose name I can't remember, made by the Dutch fellow, which we're not even talking about. But this is a good place to talk about it. Um. About a bunch of people stranded on an island who are all out on a pleasure cruise. Oh yeah, it's like it's literally called like the worst people in the world or something like something that. like it's um, not called that, but sure. Yeah, we'll just call it that because why do we need to name it when we're not technically reviewing it anyway? Uh, it's terrible. I mean, it's that guy's films are started with Force Majeure, which actually was pretty clever, and I kind of liked it. Uh, the second movie's name I can't remember. I didn't really like, and this movie is just downright hated. Yeah, I hate the rich, and I hope they eat themselves on a desert island too. But you, you just, you gotta. I mean, you gotta, you gotta. I mean, you gotta do something. You gotta do something. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain. You gotta. You can't just be a stupid cartoon. I mean, you gotta have some sort of. There's got to be some sort of soul in the world to make telling an awful story like this worth it. The menu gets that. Um, the terror on the faces of these people is real. You know, this varied ensemble of people who visit this restaurant and get the world turned upside down on them. Their reactions are real and human. Even the most despicable of them, their reactions are real and human. They're playing an absolutely absurd situation mm-hmm. totally straight. Fines has got a, you know, he doesn't have a mustache, but he he does a little mustache twirling in the film for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, what his famous line about playing Voldemort was, you know, I worked so hard to try and find a way to play Voldemort not as a crazy over-the-top cartoon, and I realized there just isn't a way to do it. The only way to yeah. do him properly is to absolutely go for he is evil. Mm-hmm. He personifies evil. He's he's and of course Voldemort's a little more clever than that because Voldemort what well he really is isn't so much evil as the threat of evil, and that's right. that's a little bit of step into a complication that I admire. But still, evil. This guy isn't evil. This guy's this guy's just snapped, and he holds a great deal of power, and he's he's using it for absolutely diabolical purposes to prove some point only to himself and again uh like mark rylance previously like some other people we've talked about tonight anna taylor joy uh, shows up here it's great they show up and they're all given their tickets and stuff and they they go to take her ticket and they say and you are they know the names of everybody and everything you know because it's very it's that exclusive it's a dining room full of people everybody knows who they are and they take her ticket and they say her boyfriend played by um nicholas holt they say her his ex-girlfriend <laughs> who was supposed to come on this thing and she's since in very short time been replaced by this other person who um who's different and that difference throws a wrench into this grand mm-hmm. scheme. And we've seen Anna play that character, I don't know, four or five times now. never gets old. I've, I've ripped on her a little bit. I was a little hard on her for Emma and a couple other things. But the truth is she's, she, she's, a, she's a closed-faced actor. And we want to be invited in by these people. But the people who intrigue us the most and are the most mysterious and are the most amazing to us and the people who you never know what they're thinking, but you always can tell that they are thinking are 
awesome. And she's just the best of her generation at that so far. So, so mm-hmm. good. And this chess game between her and these other people in the room, but particularly between her and Fines, who are um who are sociolo- sociologically closer to each other than they first may think. Mm-hmm. Is joy- it's joyful to watch. It's despicable and disgusting, and it shocked me several times, and it's dark and it's mean. But you know, that's satire and that's dark comedy, and that's true suspense comes out of that. Um, I usually don't like these things because I because usually they're just mean. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. not funny and if you, you don't care, then what are you? You j- all you're left with typically is the meanness. So it's another it's a, a the suspense, the ultimate genre where the execution is everything. This film is about the perfect execution. As Anna tells him, there's no he goes, the, the problem with this, there's no love in it. And he says, "We love all of our food." And she goes, "No!" This wasn't cooked with love. This was cooked with obsession, is what she says. <laughs> and she cuts him to the core. And yeah. a, a movie that's that smart and gets it on that level, I mean, it's a, it's a joy to watch. It really is. It's an Anna Taylor joy to watch. You will. You will you oh, should. there it is. Yeah, you should. I you, you really should check I out the menu. I mean, that. and I don't, I really don't recommend Taylor dark. joy to watch. I really don't recommend dark comedy joel will tell you i don't even yeah. want to talk about it typically yeah yeah it's so good um it's so great. good and it's the, the second best one of the year that's what's so exciting <laughs> there's yet another one that's even darker mm-hmm. more twisted more absurd more crazy that's coming up and but this movie is i don't know if it's making a point i really don't think that it is so much making a point it's it's mm-hmm. got it's got a bunch of characters making different points and it lets you it leaves you to contemplate them at the end. That's that's better than because the cheaper satire, the predator of the world or whatever. Mm-hmm. They just they're just telling you what you think in every way possible for two straight hours and exhausting you by it. This movie doesn't do that. You're not necessarily supposed to be on any of these people's sides. But are you really interested in seeing people get eviscerated and either? Yeah. You shouldn't be. And if you're not, no. I, you'll find a you'll find a story that that you get wrapped up in in the menu. Well, Smart. and impressive. And it's food. And it's the best of food horror. And the, <laughs> it's the <laughs> ultimate in food ultimate horror. In food <laughs> horror. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this. I can't episode. argue with we that, have... Joel. It is yeah. the ultimate no. in food horror. The, but... I mean, the guy, the guy, uh, the guy was able to boil it down to its essence as he saw it and realized uh, it really is the ultimate of food horror um all right so uh that is gonna do it for us for this week uh we have look we have tons of more movies to get to uh including my favorite movie of last year which i'm very excited we probably might uh, i don't think we're gonna get to that uh in the next episode but certainly very soon yeah that'll Um, uh that will trot that out close to the end actually because there's a reason now to put it with uh i know we started out with baiting the 2022 oscars and we're gonna end as we always do with baiting the 2023 oscars and 
it, it, though it's not part of that category, it'll be right there with those films. Yep. Yep. I'm very excited. Um, and uh, all right. So um, that is going to do it for us for this week's look back at the year in review 2022 and if you from 2021 all right um <laughs> all right you can reach out to us on the uh on facebook the movie show with joel and ryan page and you can reach out to us on uh on uh tiktok instagram uh youtube and if you're watching us on youtube uh you're uh, i hope you enjoyed the video uh, programming and uh, leave us a comment and a like and click that anytime you see a thumbs up. You didn't up, watch see, it on YouTube, you couldn't see the shark not, dance. You didn't get to see the shark dance. And um, I think that is going to be something that's going to draw people to here. I'll do it with you. This, this will be our tile, maybe. Our love is uh, like a shark spin. Our love is like a shark. There it is. Um, all right. Uh, all right, y'all. You guys, um, uh, I'll have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, we will see you next time on the movie show with joel and ryan and um and that's gonna do it go see a movie sorry love actually fans no we're not thank you for listening to the movie show with joel and ryan remember all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people institutions or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with unless explicitly stated None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. <laughs>